What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Friday, another episode of Why Are We Bullish? And uh, I've got a fine group of gentlemen here. Uh, all will be present next month at the Bitcoin Rodeo in my hometown, Calgary, uh, which should be a blast. So if you're in and around the area or if you feel like uh, hitting, uh, putting on your cowboy hat and coming on down, then uh, yeah, July 4th and 5th, it's coming up soon. Uh, but nonetheless, very excited to have all these gents here. Of course, uh, we'll introduce them in a moment, but this is live. Anything can happen. So I defer to my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Yeah. Clip never gets old. I'm gonna play it forever. Uh, anyways, guys, like, subscribe, share, all those things. They help a ton getting this content in front of more eyeballs. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Before we bring in our guests, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. This is timechaincalendar.com. We're sitting at $27,244 per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 3,670 sats. In terms of fees, next block, 50 sats per byte. If you're willing to wait a little bit, 29 sats per byte. Uh, Mempool is purging anything below 9.86 sats per V-byte. Uh, and in terms of supply, 92.34% of all Bitcoin have been mined. That's 19.39 million of them. Uh, shout out to sponsor the show, hodlhodl.com. If you're stacking sats and you've got a few priorities in mind, like peer-to-peer -peer trading, instant self-custody, no KYC, well, HODL HODL is the place where you can sign up in minutes with nothing more than an email address. Really simple. Scroll down, choose a currency, a payment method, and an amount, and start viewing offers and stacking non-KYC sats right away. Uh, they also have a lending platform in which nothing is ever rehypothecated. You can check them out. Links are in the show notes. Uh, now, when you do stack those non-KYC sats, you're going to want to secure them with some of the best damn hardware on the market. Of course, CoinKite is killing it. Uh, Mark IV, cold cards. I mean, it's the way to be. I've got so many cold cards. It's ridiculous. Uh, but they're they're absolutely awesome. Also, a ton of other great stuff from them. Tap signer, sats cards, block clocks, open dimes, all that great stuff. And coming really soon, the cold card Q1 looks pretty crazy. So if you want to reserve that or pick up anything else I just mentioned, coinkite.com, use code BTC Sessions for 5% off everything in the store. If you're looking to go beyond single SIG uh, for securing your stack, uh, the assisted multi-sig setup from nunchuck is hard to beat uh so basically the way it works is you set it all up with your mobile device really really easy they walk you through the whole thing it works with things like tap signer and cold card and a whole bunch of other hardware options they will hold a single key you hold the rest of the keys in the quorum and they become your signer of last resort it also has baked in inheritance planning so you can set it up so that your sats get to your next of kin if anything should happen to you and you can do all of this with no KYC as well. You don't have to give over any personal information in order to achieve this. So check them out. Their uh, assisted multi-sig is called Honey Badger, uh, and I've got a full tutorial on it. And finally, big shout out to Start9. These guys, uh, they are your sovereign computing solution. You can run your whole Bitcoin stack uh, and all your data uh, from these devices. I've just migrated exclusively to my Start9 now. 
Uh, and you can run everything, Bitcoin Core, Lightning, Mempool.Space, Join Market. You can host passwords, files, photos. You can run Nostra Relays and Nostra Clients, all kinds of great stuff. And they just released all of their new devices as well. The server light uh, is a Raspberry Pi that doesn't require an external uh, SSD, which is kind of where you run into the problems running a Raspberry Pi on a node. Um, they also now have an Intel Nook-based server one, and that's kind of the beefier mid-level one. And then their Pro or their Pure uh, is badass, and that's like a full hardcore computer if you're hosting your whole life on the thing. So be sure to check them out, start9.com. Enough of my rambling, though. I got to get these guys in here. I got to uh, do a quick little intro here. Uh, welcome to Julian. Welcome to Dave. And the man of the hour... Looking good tonight, Steve. You look great, man. How you doing? Thanks so much for the kind intro. I do look great, <laughs> and uh, happy to be here, guys. Uh, let's let's do a round of intros uh, amongst the panel for anybody that's watching that's unfamiliar. We'll just do a quick: Who are you, and what do you do? Let's start with Julian. I'm just gonna go around on my screen here. So, Julian, give yourself a little intro, man. Hey, my name is Julian. You can find me on YouTube or Twitter as Kinetic Finance. And I basically make films about Bitcoin. And I make films that don't seem about Bitcoin, but are actually still about Bitcoin. So if you want to watch some different stuff, um, non-podcasty, exploring the world sort of things, or doing some crazy whatever stuff, but it all has to do with Bitcoin in the end, I'm your guy. I love it. And uh, and I can vouch for the quality of content uh, that that Guatemala one that you uh, you put up. Damn, that was well done. So hats off to you, my friend. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, Mr. Mustache, Steve, you want to give yourself an intro? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm here in Calgary with, uh, well, at least three of us here. I don't know, Kinetic, if you are, but where are you? Where did you say you were? Everyone is, is drawing me out to Calgary. I was just in Calgary last week met up with uh, madex actually but yeah all you good bitcoiners are moving out there one by one so nice. I mean, in canada it's the place to be right speaking of madex i actually just bought my first madex finally i've known it i've known known him for quite a while i finally got one uh daniel plain plain what is it daniel plain view from the <laughs> oh, movie nice. there will be blood he made a pretty cool um th that image on his art looks really cool yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm Steve. Uh, I got a great mustache. Uh, actually, I don't have a mustache anymore. I got a beard now. So NBK uh, peer pressured me into going beard. So I'm now bearding it up. And uh, but I'll be back to mustache for the Bitcoin rodeo uh in calgary in a month of it's, course it, I, I feel like it's necessary if you put on a cowboy hat you can't have a beard should we all do the stash thing for the bitcoin rodeo i i don't know if i can commit <laughs> to that man i feel like too much of an asshole <laughs> fuck you man <laughs> i'm too i'm too small of a person to have a mustache like i just I look kind of rapey when I get when I get the mustache going. Like I'm on like the, like the skinny mustachioed man. If I was if I had the stature of Mr. Barber here, then maybe I could pull it off, but I can't. So I was sad to hear when in Miami people said I looked younger with a beard than I did with a mustache. So it, that hurt my feelings a bit. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? I guess. Well, well, well you'll you'll gain a, a few years when you get down to your proper form. So shit. And I just spilled all over my keyboard. That's good. Uh, 
Anyways, uh, let's toss it to Dave. Dave, give yourself an intro. Thank you. I am uh, Dave Bradley. I am widely known as the strongest and best-looking Bitcoin entrepreneur in Canada, of course. Fact. I am I am also the uh, chief revenue officer at Bitcoin Well, and I've uh, gotten into all kinds of different stuff in the space. Um, I don't think I could pull off a mustache, though. I think, like, this, like, blondie, gingery beard here, it would just look nothing but creepy. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a that's a proper assessment. I think that might be <laughs> plus these these little bits of white in my in my beard here make me look distinguished. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean it's 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 um, again we we all got to specialize at what we're good at, and I mean Steve's good at mustaches, so I think yeah. that's, that's okay. We'll we'll let him head up that that department. Uh, awesome. Well, gentlemen, glad to have you. Uh, I've now wiped off my keyboard. Hopefully, it's not dead. Um, but nonetheless, uh, we're going to get into it. This is why are we bullish? Uh, and uh, simple concept to the show for those watching that may be unacquainted with it. Um, we all come with a topic that is top of mind, typically bullish, but Dave's here. So I no promises. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we come with a reason for being bullish. And so the format of the show is somebody's going to drop a reason why they're bullish their chance to rant and discuss whatever topic is top of mind, something they're interested in. Uh, then all together, we're going to riff on that reason, questions, comments, whatever it may be. And then third, we're going to rotate until everybody gets a turn. So really simple, three R's, reason, riff, rotate. Uh, and so I'm going to get us started off uh, this week. And so um, a couple reasons around my, dis my uh, choice of topic this week. Um, number one is I just finished uh, Gladstein's new book, Hidden Repression, how the IMF and World Bank sell exploitation as development. Um, and I'm also headed to Oslo uh, very shortly for the uh, Oslo Freedom Forum and going to be uh, once again getting to chat with um, human rights activists and people um, living under totalitarian regimes about using Bitcoin as a mechanism to fundraise in uh, adversarial environments. Um, something that I, you know, that all us Canadians uh, kind of became a little bit more familiar with over the past year and a half. Um, and so uh, my reason for being bullish is is um, the increasing ability to tell the IMF to go fuck itself. And so it's, you know, it's still at the point right now where it can be difficult as a nation to get out from under the thumb of the IMF. And we're, we're starting to see hints of it. Um, El Salvador is an example of that, but again, it's, it's still early days and, and who knows if they're going to, if they're going to, uh, bring their own brand of freedom to El Salvador for its uh, transgressions. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully uh, they can kind of just grow and do their own thing and, and uh, show that you can be prosperous without um, getting uh, structural adjustments from the IMF on the regular. Uh, but nonetheless, like first I want to outline like this book is, is pretty wild the way and it's and it's an easy read, but it basically kind of details the history of the IMF and the World Bank, their stated mandates of of um, lifting the world out of poverty, 
and their track record of doing effectively the exact opposite to the point where either it's intentional or or they have the worst tactics imaginable to achieve their their means um and so the 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 trail of despair that they've left in their wake over the past number of decades is is unprecedented and anybody that's tried to basically push back against that anybody that's tried to get out of those systems uh of oppression wherein they they basically have to devalue their own currencies and they have to take these loans and and uh and and adjust their own economies to be economies that basically export uh all of the value of the of the country to wealthier nations um while not really spending any time actually building out their own infrastructure and making themselves self-sufficient um anybody that's pushed back against that and said hey maybe Maybe we could, uh, you know, build up our own industry or, or not use the currency that they're telling us to use and, and back something with gold or, or choose an alternative. Um, a lot of those leaders find themselves dead um, or, or, you know, there's, there's been a handful of examples of, of uh, that not turning out so well uh, and, and other leaders being uh, put in place that are more than happy to to accept the terms of the IMF and World Bank, or a lot of times the IMF and World Bank will just cozy up with the worst of the worst dictators that don't give a shit what the people in their countries want, and are more than happy to take the money and siphon off a whole bunch of it for their own reasons, and then build out whatever the IMF <clears throat> wants from that country. Um, and so, yeah, I. Seeing Bitcoin as at least a an outroad for the citizens of those nations, at least being able to localize that in a place of, hey, I'm, I'm not going to operate on this standard. Perhaps I can at least hold a money that isn't beholden to the IMF and perhaps create a small circular economy localized that isn't beholden to the IMF. And this kind of... I think more grassroots ground up approach to things. I think that's what will be more successful, but I, I also do hope that we see more nations kind of flip the, flip the bird to the IMF with Bitcoin as the impetus to do so. I don't know that it plays out that way, but I think it's a possibility. At least we might be seeing the beginnings of that. Um, and I'm also very happy that somebody that has these types of conversations around um, this exploitation uh, is is part of, again, the, the Human Rights Foundation, Alex Gladstein, is able to kind of get this message out to more people. Like this book is is going to be in like Barnes and Noble and kind of all over and more accessible to people. And even just sitting out reading this, I've had a whole bunch of people say, Oh, geez, that looks very, very interesting. I'd like to read that. Um, it's funny because the, the, the title of it sounds very woke. Um, and so a lot of, uh, a, a lot of people maybe on the left side of the political spectrum that wouldn't typically look at Bitcoin yet uh might look at it because of this because they they may 
see that as an inroads to to be even more woke and then they'll get orange pilled in the process but nonetheless um i'm just excited around the, the developments around this and that um people that are getting screwed by the system are starting to see a little bit that this at least helps them dodge some of the shitty things mm -hmm. that, that regularly come their way uh, i am going to be in oslo for for the freedom forum there um and it's pretty interesting chatting with some of the people there that are trying to fundraise in in places where it's just you know every other fiat on ramp is is it's impossible to use and so just the idea of being able to get any sort of value into the country is is very valuable the the difficult part is once it's there how do you use bitcoin to achieve the mean what you need to achieve how do you use bitcoin to get the uh the resources that you need for whatever your protest is so um and that's different to wherever you go um and it's a case-by-case -case basis but nonetheless i'm excited that bitcoin is being used in this capacity and uh and i hope to see more of it so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it open there and uh I don't know. I'm, we can take this topic wherever you guys want, but I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts, criticisms, positive things you see out of it. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm like one of the great things, like Alex Gladson is such a good voice in this space because he's one of these people that encourages you to really look outside your own borders. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're so focused on the Western paradigm of like how our fiat system works and totally unaware of how awful it is in other countries has that reading that book inspired you to look at the politics of some of these other countries i imagine like africa plays a really big part in that book yeah yeah there's a there's a lot about about africa in there um uh farida uh farida nabarima i i hope i'm not uh butchering her last name but she's from togo and uh and she details a lot of a lot of stuff that's going yeah. on within africa with the the uh the cfa zone like the the whatever the the frank the front the i can't remember what it's called but anyways like basically the 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 currency that is dictated by france uh for about 15 african nations which happen to be 15 of the most destitute places on the planet she talks a lot about that um and she talks a lot about how um bitcoin was is, is kind of the first time that a lot of these places have access to anything outside of just the local currency. Um, they don't, you know, they, it's very difficult to get their hands on dollars. Um, and so, you know, when, when you can actually get and transact in something uh, that is anything other than your local currency, it's incredibly useful to a lot of these places, not to mention even just getting money home from other places on the planet um, the, the, the exchange rates that you get are not the actual, it's, it's like the official rate that you get through Western union or, or whatever else you're using is like half of what the street rate is. Mm -hmm. And so like, you're seeing just the total shit conversion whenever somebody tries to send money home. But if you get it in Bitcoin, it doesn't matter if it's volatile and you see like 10% or something in a day, cause it's much better than the 40 or 50% care cut that you get just from the shitty rate. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, see, you get to uh, uh, kind of look at things definitely outside of the context of, of home for sure. Yeah. I think that that, that haircut you're talking about is mm -hmm. part of this transition that we're 
very likely going through right now where I think most of the small currencies in the world are going to die in like the next maybe five years. Yep. And that soon. Yeah. And when like, think about it, like we've, we've got these regions already, like, like the CFA region, you know, there's a big part of Latin America that's all on the U S dollar. I think that countries are going to be forced with situations very quickly and maybe like global markets might not see it because we've got those official exchange rates going there. But when the street rate goes so badly, um, it's getting to a point where that currency is just about ready for collapse. And, you know, Argentina is a good example where they, for the, I don't know, fifth time or something like that in the last like 30 years have reached the point of currency collapse and they've got a new IMF bailout. And the interesting thing in that bailout is that it includes a bunch of anti anti Bitcoin uh, regulations Mm-hmm. And so, really? it's in, yeah, they're, they're basically yeah. making it harder for payment processors in Argentina to handle Bitcoin or to handle payments related to Bitcoin. So it's uh, they're, they're essentially making it harder for Argentinians to buy Bitcoin. And I think that that's a pretty interesting detail because it's kind of like the first point where they're realizing, like, this is a threat to this this, you know, pillaging system that we've got. Essentially, that's essentially what's what's happening. Right. And you mentioned all those those countries um, essentially being looted by the French mm-hmm. for however long um, when they print money, like when they print Canadian dollars, we're all being stolen from in the sense that our purchasing power is going down. And when more currencies around the world die, these little countries have basically been using their, their monetary policy to spend money and make up for the, the lack of restraint in their fiscal policies. And, as they lose the ability to uh, use that monetary policy as a tool to keep spending, now they've got a choice. They've got to go somewhere. And I think a lot of them are going to go to regional currencies like what we're seeing, you know, what, we, what we've already seen. But um, between the euro, the U.S. zone, sort of the different, different, different regions like this, and what expanding your currency to another country accomplishes, now you can steal from their population too. And like they, they've been very blatant with that, obviously in the, in sort of that East African zone where the, the Frank or whatever used to be the Frank is used. And uh, yeah, I think that's what they're expanding towards right now. And the choice is going to be between a regional one and Bitcoin. Yeah. And so if Bitcoin becomes um, a viable option and it's not just, does the government see it as viable? It's like when you get into those, those situations where nobody's willing to accept the, the, the national currency at face value, does Bitcoin become the thing that people run to? And if there's a bank run and Bitcoin happens to be the next most uh, trusted form of currency in the country, I guess that's what people are going to run to. Yeah. And the countries that run to Bitcoin first probably will end up as like the richest countries in the world somewhat fairly permanently because the, they will accumulate Bitcoins at a rate that those who come later simply can never match. Yeah. Yeah. I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's like a pretty important step before that. And I think it is the continuation of currencies moving to the US dollar to back their reserves more and more. Like we've already seen that across South America, Latin America for the last like 30 years. They, they've either just full on switched or you got something like the Guyanese dollar, which is basically just pegged to the US dollar, even like the Chinese yuan is. But you know, one of the really interesting things that came out this week that led credence to that idea is the fact that Tether, 
you know, as opaque as it is, just hit a new all-time high in market cap. So there are now more dollars in the Tether treasury, according to them, and the Tether market cap is at the highest level that it's ever been, which is pretty unusual given the last two cycles because usually Tether's market cap draws out. And what that tells me is generally when Tether's market cap has expanded, it's been because it's been US dollars trying to come into the crypto space to, to go on exchanges and buy shit coins and anything like that. But with the crypto space still like far from all time high, but Tether at basically it's all time high, that tells me that people just want US dollars in any way, shape or form. And I think that is going to be the trend for the next like five, 10 years. And whether or not countries back their currency straight and they work with the U.S. government or the citizens just take it upon themselves to do it by, by just buying stable coins. I think we go there first before people arrive to Bitcoin. I don't know. I'm curious what you guys think about that. Yeah, I, I think we're already there. Mm-hmm. And I think when they hit that moment where they have to either they, they have to abandon their own unit of account at some point, basically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And when they hit that moment, right now the choice is somewhat obviously, especially in in the in the Western Hemisphere, the choice is the U.S. dollar. I think Bitcoin is going to be an option as a choice, and I actually think we're going to probably see very similar results to what we've seen with uh, with the U.S. dollar in the Western Hemisphere throughout the world. We're probably going to see most of those little currencies die, and I think you're probably right that the the phase that we're in right now is that they'll go to the regional currencies, so they'll be They'll be on the euro. They'll be on the yuan. Whatever. I'm already whatever off the Canadian case. dollar, Dave. Like my company <laughs> is off the Canadian dollar. Like, like we're all, all of our fiat is mostly USD and same, the same rest here. is Bitcoin. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, we accept all three as payment, Canadian dollars, US dollars, Bitcoin. We try to obviously uh, we encourage people to pay in Bitcoin. We'd prefer it, but we're always managing the treasury. And uh, our, our general policy right now is minimize CAD minimize only use enough only have enough for payroll and like uh the critical you know paying uh, payables and stuff and then when i need to top up cad i convert us to cad mm-hmm. and a lot of that is too i have a lot of us clients but I, I i frankly prefer to hold usd over uh and I, i'll always hold like a, a decent balance of fiat because i you know i have to run a business i can't take pure bitcoin volatility it's sort of mm-hmm. difficult so we have a mix, but it's usually like, you know, it, it can fluctuate, but it's anywhere like ramping up and down between, you know, 50% one way or the other um, between them as Bitcoin volatility changes. But like CAD is like, like Canadian dollar is such a shit coin. <laughs> yeah. Like why hold it? Like it's just, we got yeah. rainbow money over here, man. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Canadian moose shekel has... Yeah. people like to call yeah. it the canadian dollar will not be among the ones that survives <laughs> nobody yeah. accepts like any we do a lot of international trade in the sense like we bring in uh like i brought steel in from china for example bring a lot of electronics from china a lot of u.s goods uh generally that's the gist maybe some other stuff like for some random places but nobody accepts canadian dollars so having canadian dollars for trade is worthless yeah. Uh, I have to convert it and eat a conversion cost. Some of my clients actually, because we're in Bitcoin mining, do accept Bitcoin. So even Bitcoin is more useful to me for international trade, trading partners uh, than Canadian dollars. It's unbelievable, right? And But I mean, Bitcoin obviously is amazing for international trade because, I mean, as long as the other counterparty accepts it, 
we all know how easy it is to use compared to fiat. Yeah. Um, it's still hard to use it. And a lot of people don't accept it, especially a lot of Chinese suppliers that were accepting it, you know, weren't allowed to uh, now anymore because of the, that ban that happened hmm. or they, they're nervous about accepting it. So, we're, but they'll accept USD. So we just hold, <laughs> we just hodl USD and we're a Canadian company, uh, let alone like, you know, we're slowly hyperinflating, I guess you would say, but we're not at the level of like maybe Argentina is presently. Yeah. We will be like probably next year, but not this year anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I, I mostly live on Bitcoin now. My, so Bitcoin is obviously like my, my, my store of value. My unit of account is USD. Um, I never invoice in Canadian dollars anymore. And I, I begrudgingly accept Canadian dollars as payment if I absolutely have to. And, and typically it's just enough to kind of cover bills that I have and they get spent and like, you know, so, and, and you know, always, always hedging against the eventuality that if my bank account gets shut down, then they get nothing. They can, they can pay off my credit card if they like. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, Steve, you're so right in, in like, moving away from the Canadian dollar is, is natural from anybody dealing in any sort of international uh, market. Like why would you use the Canadian dollar? It's completely useless. Such a garbage shit coin. <laughs> uh, like just though it's like a woke shit coin at this point. Like, yeah, it's just crap. And it's like, the, it's like the worst of all the fiats. Like if you touch the Canadian dollar bill, like you, you can't even wipe your ass with it. You can wipe your ass with an American dollar bill. Uh, the the hundred dollar bills still smell like maple syrup, though. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't know that. Try it. Try it. Scratch and sniff, dude. I actually believe you. Are you serious? It's legit. It's legit. Scratch <laughs> and sniff a hundred dollar Canadian bill. Smell like maple syrup. Imagine if they had taken the resources that went into making maple smelling hundred dollar bills and actually just stopped fucking printing money. <laughs> incredible incredible use of resources uh awesome well okay well I'll, I'll wrap up there just by by saying that um yeah i'm i i love the idea that more people are kind of waking up to bitcoin being a tool to sidestep these these institutions that claim to be uh to, to want to pull people out of poverty, but are doing the exact opposite. And, uh, and yeah, I, I can't wait to see, see more of these types of ideas circulating and, and uh, a, a wider recognition of how insidious some of these organizations, organizations that claim to be altruistic truly are. So um, with that, uh we're going to do a rotation here and i uh everybody in the chat by the way thank you for dropping messages in i'm going to start pulling more of them up just uh to showcase at the bottom of the screen now that we're kind of through my topic but uh i'm going to rotate over to uh julian i'm going to toss to you man and uh, i'll just cue you up why are you bullish why am i bullish um all right so shout out to bj dictor uh he's in the chat i spent um supposed to be two days ended up being five days hanging out with him in toronto in the back or on the side with him in his truck learning about what it's like to be a canadian trucker on the road talking about everything that you guys went through last year uh learn so much putting together that video 
And I came to a realization partway through making that video because every video I've made on my channel has been just like always about Bitcoin. It's either I'm going to a country to check out a Bitcoin circular economy, I'm checking out a mining thing, I'm going to El Salvador, whatever. The, the main focus is, is Bitcoin. And I'm realizing slowly that the people in this space have their own stories that are almost, if not more interesting than the whole macro picture and the history of Bitcoin itself. It really comes down to the people. And it made me have this realization talking to some other you know, filmmakers and creators in this space that I think that is the future of Bitcoin content moving forward. Um, it's not going to be, you know, I, I joked earlier, like I think when we think of Bitcoin content, we think of podcasts and tutorials and clippets of Michael Saylor with like stock footage and really like inspirational music. I think that stuff's going to be around forever. But I think the future of Bitcoin filmmaking is not going to look like Bitcoin filmmaking. It's just going to be telling really human stories that just so happen to have Bitcoiners in them and seeing how their lives have been affected and changed and their values have either, you know, gotten more reinforced or have kind of synchronized up with Bitcoin's values. Mm -hmm. So the video I was making with BJ Dictor was all about, you know, the life of a trucker, what that's like, how it goes underappreciated. We talked about the trucker protest and all that. But one of the last things that BJ says in the video is that the emotional gift that Bitcoin gives him was connecting him uh, with all of these people, regardless of political background. So, you know, part of the protest was, you know, a lot of the news media was saying it's a bunch of right wingers, bigots, all that. But the reality was, is that he was connected with people from all walks of life. And Bitcoin was a big part of that. And we have that in Bitcoin, too, where we have these great books coming out. Uh, Jason Mayer has like the progressive case for Bitcoin. Obviously, there's a lot of libertarians in this space. There you go. You have it. Um, and I think as we move forward in this space, it's going to become more and more inclusive. I think some of us over the last few years, we've just gotten so obsessed with infighting and we haven't really realized that the Bitcoin, I guess, call it cinematic universe continues to expand. And I'm so excited for all the stories and the stuff that I know is being worked on in the background. Going to give a big shout out to a couple people um, that are making some amazing things. Max DeMarco unbelievable great bitcoin content a little similar to mine i'd say even better in some ways uh he's making this great documentary on noster um play shamery they are making games and stuffies and things for kids with bitcoin i think that's going to be a big thing moving forward is creating um finding the the image of bitcoin with children um God, who else? Uh, Paco de la India. Guy is risking his life driving on the back of motorcycles for hundreds of kilometers uh, through, you know, um, Central African Republic just so that we can see if Bitcoin actually exists there. People putting their lives out and risking everything to bring stories from around the world, not just to say buy Bitcoin or uh, there is no second best, but to tell the human stories behind Bitcoin and that makes me so bullish. People are going out of their way to, to create these Bitcoin stories that aren't just about pushing their own book, but to really compel people from all walks of life to see the movement, the social and emotional and cultural movement that we're creating. I love that. Um, the, the, it is interesting to see because it was very uh, out the gate. Obviously, there there's um, a lot of kind of like obviously libertarian roots and then kind of uh, 
I'd say at first more right wing and now you're starting to see more like left wing progressive, but you're kind of getting a peppering of everybody now. Um, and the, the best part about it to me is that everybody, when they look at Bitcoin, they, they effectively say, Oh, this fixes what I think is wrong. And in the end, even if you think the other people that have the mind, same mindset as you in, in terms of Bitcoin being the solution, even if you think their stance is wrong, it really shouldn't matter because they're also trying to make Bitcoin proliferate around the globe. And so mm -hmm. you could technically have them the mentality of, oh, screw that guy. I hate, I hate his, his perspective on the world and I hope that his ideas and policies don't proliferate. But you could also still boost that person up to try and get Bitcoin to more people because if he's if you're right and that person is wrong, the economic reality of Bitcoin will come home to roost at the end of the day anyways. Um, so like even if you disagree on people's stance about why Bitcoin is important, if they're trying to push Bitcoin and and make it prolif proliferate, then it's it's a net positive to your cause anyways. Uh, so it's it's kind of. I, Bitcoin is very much kind of like a mirror in that when you look at it, it kind of reflects your own values back on you and you see value in things that it will fix for you. Um, and so that's why I think everybody or a lot of people tend to fixate on things and say, oh, this is actually great now that I understand it. It's because it, it, it kind of solves some problems for everybody. Uh, just different people come at it different ways. And so other people will gravitate to, to certain aspects of it differently. So yeah. I, I, th I think the actual progressives case for Bitcoin is that if you learn enough about Bitcoin, you won't be a progressive anymore. <laughs> it, it, it really, it comes down to like, if you don't understand money, it's going to be much harder for you to understand what money is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And once you do, once you do understand money, then it's, it's somewhat of a, a normal logical path to get to this point where you're like maybe i shouldn't be in control of other people's money mm -hmm. you know maybe i shouldn't have any input into how others spend their resources and that's have you kind of the have you noticed though that there's been a seemingly an influx of progressives into like bitcoin twitter and the like yes like what what's your how do you explain that they're coming well, to god moment <laughs> no so so it's it's interesting what what bj dictor was saying about that like the, the emotional impact that Bitcoin can have. Cause I think what's we've been seeing, and I had this, I had this conversation with Madex a couple of years ago where we were like, this is maybe like three, four years ago. And we're like, man, there's something really like just fucked about the world right now. There's something really off and it's really hard to put your, your finger on it. And it was, it was very clearly crystallized for us and everyone else with all of the craziness from COVID, obviously the, the, the problem is too much control from the government, but when it comes down to it, What's going on right now is that the link that money is supposed to provide between a person's actions and the outcome for their lives, money is supposed to link those two things together. It's broken. Mm -hmm. And it's broken for people on both sides of the political spectrum. And I think that that political spectrum, like as we understand it now, left, right is mostly, mostly false, mostly just a way for them to, uh, to set us against each other and to come up with differences of opinion about how they should spend the money that they steal. And when it comes right down to it, the real sort of um, spectrum is between statism and freedom. Mm -hmm. And like, how much of my own choices can I make? How much of my own resources can I spend? And 
because that link is broken throughout society, it makes it very easy for sort of like the globalists, the mainstream media, et cetera, to, to point these two groups at each other. And you've got the Trump people who are all like, they think their lives are fucked because immigrants took their jobs. <laughs> and then you, you've got the, you've got the woke side and they think their lives are fucked because the patriarchy is holding them down. And really the fact is most of the value that they create with their time is being stolen by the government and misallocated. And that's the thing that they're actually worried about. That's the, the common problem that the left and right face and Bitcoin can be not only an actual solution to that, but in finding the Bitcoin community, people find a place where they're like, okay, I knew something was off. And now this group of people at least seem to think they've got the answers. And now I've at least got somewhere where I can think I, 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 I can belong. And I can, I, I can know that what I've seen, um, this theft that I've seen, even if I didn't know to articulate it as theft, um, this is a place where I'm being told that theft is wrong. And people innately know that that's moral and right, that their, their, their value should not be stolen. And so when they find that, like, it doesn't really matter which side they're from. It becomes a, a point of, of safety and, and reason. Yeah. I think everyone acknowledges that something has been stolen from them. Their futures have been stolen from them. That's what like Greta Thunberg says. She's like, you've stolen our futures. Like we all feel it on every side of the political spectrum. We just don't exactly know what has been stolen from us. And that's what inflation is. It's theft done very insidiously. And for those who don't dig deeper, it looks like capitalism and it looks like the system and it looks like taxes and it looks like all of these things. Um, but when you start elucidating exactly what has been stolen, then you lead people down a constructive path of actually finding a solution versus all these red herrings that both sides create, frankly. And I, I don't want to let, like, I think it's pretty obvious. We know that like progressives have a litany of excuses for, you know, why housing is affordable and all this stuff. But, you know, I want to make a call out to like the conservatives as well. Conservatives have a litany of reasons too. Monetary debasement is not the main reason that most conservatives think that the system we have is broken or unfair. They think it's like it's too much bureaucracy or it's a mix of like overtaxation and all these things. And everything has like a little bit of truth to it, but we haven't all arrived at the same destination yet. And that's that's coming. Right. Mm -hmm. You just have to speak to each person in a different language to get them there. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, to, to what Dave was saying there and just to pull on that string a little bit more, um, you were saying how like your your values aren't aren't reflected in in how you see the world playing out. And, and I mean, typically, you know, money, money is the mechanism through which we express our values. We put our blood, sweat and tears into earning a wage and then you allocate that wage where what, with whatever you value. Maybe you go out and you buy a home. Maybe you go out and you, I don't know, get OnlyFans or whatever it is. And but regardless of what you're doing with your money, you're basically saying like, I value these things. I'm going to allocate it where I see fit. The issue in, in that is as you print money, you're basically taking time for nothing and you're able to allocate that where you see fit. So, you know, we print 40% of all existing currency in an 18 month span. Well, 40% of your working hours were basically reallocated. So like 40% of your values in a year and a half were, were allocated somewhere else without your knowledge or permission. And so you're not seeing the results in the world that you should see based on the effort that you're putting into trying to see the world 
the way you'd like it. And so you get angry and you want to change the world in, a, in another way. So I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it makes sense that the lang when the language for value is broken, which is our money, that the values that underlie society also break. And then we see these, these uh, excesses in society and, and a, a, like a total lack of, of moral integrity in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I don't know if you have any additional or if anybody wants to tag on anything else on this topic before we ro rotate out. Well, I was just thinking like uh, money, money, uh, people like to say like, oh, I'm not in it for the money. You know, it's not about the money. You know, we all downplay the money, but money is like the one thing I was just thinking as you were talking, I'm like money is like the one thing that every single person. Yeah, well, I'd argue that every single person on the planet has mutual interest in uh, like it's like one thing that everyone wants. Like yeah. you could say that about it, maybe other things like, I don't know, sex and sleep and stuff like that. But like it's uh, it's so critical and it's it's so funny. Uh, I was actually hanging with Dave here and Madex. Uh, what was it? We went to this like we sort of just observed a protest downtown Calgary. Do you remember what that was? What was yeah, that was. Again? I don't remember what it was called. It was one of those like anti-vaccine protests. Yeah, it was. It was like an anti-lockdown protest, and it was yeah. like being dr drummed up downtown Calgary. We we're all sort of hanging out. We went and uh, just witnessed it, and I remember just thinking there, because they had a bunch of people come up and speak, and like not a single person, because everyone's talking about all the problems. So this is happening because of this problem, you know. Because uh, you know, I think Julian here was saying, um, you know, con comparing, contrasting conservative thought views, progressive views, and. You know, all these people, you know, were hating what was happening, but not a single one of them identified what I think the root, root cause is, 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 is basically fiat, money printing, deficit spending, unreserved money, uh, like the root cause of all evil, the root cause of bureaucracy, of, on, of no accountability, and all this thing. And it's like, it doesn't matter where you are in the political spectrum, it seems like everyone's oblivious. Uh, just completely oblivious to it. So it's, it's, uh, it's sort of disheartening because like, uh, I know that when I speak to people that aren't in the Bitcoin space, like just, you know, maybe their father-in-law, family members, other family members, whatever, friends, <clears throat> and they're not into money, they're not into Bitcoin. They just don't see it, don't see, see it the same way. Like, and there's nothing I can ever say to them to like, be like oh yeah the money's fucked the money's fucked that's actually oh oh yeah everything actually traces back to this thing that we all want that we're all interested in that that basically ties everyone together no matter like what you know diverse background we come from and that system's fucked oh yeah that might be why everything else that i hate is fucked you know <laughs> like everything else that's not working out and i you know i have a problem with is also fucked like people somehow can't just put it together like you know i find that really frustrating um when you're trying to have that like point that out to people and they don't know <laughs> like, think, they can't understand it yeah it's i mean i think people just have this natural aversion to believing that it could just be that mm -hmm. right like they they can't be like well i can't it can't just be 
like, you know, our quote unquote 2% inflation. Like that's not the reason for all of these things that are, are wrong with the world. Um, I mean, we just have to vote harder. Yeah. Let's vote harder. We got to <laughs> knock on more doors, get more votes. Yeah. If only the guy that I liked was in power, then everything would be all right until the next election. Forget what? that everything is trended to shit over the last 50 years and that basically family wealth has dwindled like a per capita, say on average, you know, in like in real purchasing power terms has just been progressively getting worse no matter what political party gets in power. Oh yeah. Let's, we haven't voted hard enough. We need to vote harder. Democracy works really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's get out and vote. And there's not enough voters out there. Mm -hmm. Let's get out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Great idea. We, we have yeah. our archiving clown world in the chat says vote liberal, more spending, faster collapse. He wants yeah. to accelerate. I, <laughs> not, not well, wrong. You, what's, you, what, you, what, yeah. what's the clip of the guy in like the turban? And he's like, democracy is for the people, by the people, but the people are <laughs> retarded. <laughs> I was, love that clip. Was that Trudeau? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I was, that was Trudeau's real dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the the example of like the left and the right are not really that different when it comes to spending the money that they print, right? Like, they have a very minor difference of opinion about how much money should be printed, and then they have some serious ideas about some serious differences about what they should do with the money once they print it. But you don't see anyone actually running for government being like, "Yeah, we're going to have to stop." paying for all these things yeah. that we, that we can't afford. And there's literally no, at no point in the political discussion of like pretty much our entire lifetimes, has there been a conversation where it's like, well, we, we, we plan to do these things, but we couldn't afford it. So we didn't like every other entity in the world makes those kind of decisions, but governments just don't, they just like they're, they're they can afford whatever they want. And yeah. it doesn't really matter whether it's, Pierre Polyev or Justin Trudeau making those spending decisions, they're still going to be spending way, way more money than they have. And the difference comes from printing. The difference comes from us. Yeah. The first politician to make austerity sexy is, is going to do really well, but that's yet to happen. I mean, never will. It'll, it'll have to be in a world of Bitcoiners where, uh, you know, everybody brags about like having holes in their socks and and selling all their chairs, right? When when clout is gained from living on as little as possible, then maybe we could have a politician elected like that. But that's definitely not the trend we're we're in right now. It's like yeah. why why can't you just pay for everything? Why can't I get my UBI check and just be fine? Like, and and the the mindset of everybody is we've. We've come so far. We've got all this great technology. Why can't I just do nothing and sit on my ass and, and, and do zero work and have everything subsidized for me? Because people actually still need to extract resources and create goods and services in order for you to live. And so if you sit and do nothing, everybody wants to sit and do nothing. And that me- makes the few people who decide to do something and create something the only ones that actually get any value out of it that that or the people in control of the resources are the only ones that get anything but they need people to create those resources or extract them anyways i'm gonna uh i i have to address before we rotate because i am gonna rotate from this but uh before we rotate i have to uh address um uh 
some drama that's been going on. Uh, and we're, we're seeing it in the, in the chat here. Um, anybody uh, unfamiliar, um, there's something called Poopgate going on at the moment. And uh, it would appear that... that Who did it? <laughs> that uh, that uh, Peter McCormick has re received a literal oh. bag of poop in the mail. And uh, there's... It wasn't there's, that um, yellow? Well, yeah, there's some rumors going on that it may have been yellow. And he's saying that poop Kate talk must end. Please move on. Stop talking about poop Kate. Hashtag enough is enough. So I don't know. Sounds sounds pretty suspicious to me, but I don't wasn't know. It, wasn't it stringy and stuff? <laughs> it looked like powdery, you know? <laughs> I saw it a top like of a yellow hair in there. I swear. Okay, did we have enough context for this? Like, uh, Why doesn't I, you get a DNA text tested? You know? I think I think we should. Okay, I'm gonna see if I can find the tweet. We got it. Now it's become a thing. Yeah, yeah we're, we're gonna give some context for, this for the yeah. audio people too. Yeah, did he tweet it from his main account? I think. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm just scrolling to find. Oh man, Nick Carter, his hair. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just. Who, who is stranded? Energy says one of the commenters. Quite, <laughs> yeah. quite right. Quite right. Okay. You can turn that into Bitcoin. Okay, so here it is. Here's the tweet. Uh, so it says, someone literally went to the effort of putting a bag of shit in the post and sending it to me with the note, Peter McCormick and Eric Waller scammers. Signed, Pulse Chain. Lovely. Get control of your people, Richard Hart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is the first comment. You against guns now? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an excellent first comment uh yeah anyways um <laughs> fantastic uh nonetheless it, uh i don't know i don't know yellow says bear market <laughs> bear market stuff it was a hex guy not yellow uh anyways we'll see we'll see how it pans out <laughs> Anyways, with that, I'm gonna rotate. Um, What's gonna... next in Poopgate, though? What do you yeah. think? What do you think McCormack's retaliation will be? I mean, you should you should try and auction it. Make take a photo, he has, make he has photo to and then auction this. it. Yeah, I mean, if yellow if yellow claims it's his, it might it might actually earn a few sats, perhaps. Maybe it's rare. Put right? it on scarcity Bitcoin auction. <laughs> yeah. Why why not? <laughs> it it it's at least tangible compared to most of the things they sell on there <laughs> oh my god it could be turned into uh, an nft in some, yeah some did, did yeah. any of you guys pick up one of those uh, peter schiff nfts oh my god <laughs> <laughs> of all the how how is it that peter schiff of all people he he understands God bless the, him. the sound the sound money aspect of things. He can't get past the intangibility, and then somehow he leaps from not being able to get past the intangibility of Bitcoin to I'm gonna like what he just has like NFT on Bitcoin's bottom. I mean, it's obviously just a grift so that he can extract dollars and buy gold. I imagine. Peter yeah, definitely 100%. loves Bitcoin. His, his relevance hinges play. on like Bitcoiners just being unable to not take the bait. Yeah. Like his whole thing is like we just take it every single time. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. definitely a Bitcoiner. He definitely oh, yeah. oh yeah. Bitcoin. He's just playing, he's just playing the role now. And he's playing yeah. it beautifully. 
Yeah. I, I, I have, yeah, I have my doubts that somebody could spend so much time um, in and around Bitcoin and not, especially from his perspective, like it, maybe it's different if you're like Elizabeth Warren or somebody, but if you're somebody that is coming at this from the perspective of like, oh, you know, we should have never gone off the gold standard and you don't recognize the qualities of gold that resulted in it being able to be rug pulled, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I, I yeah. still don't understand how his son Spencer hasn't created shift Bitcoin. Shift sats. You got to yeah. use the alliteration. Shift gold, shift Bitcoin. Like what? Yeah. It's like the easiest opportunity to make a lot of money ever. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. gave him that for free. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I DM'd him. I was like, dude, this one's for free. Shift stats. It's like, it's, it's got to be a thing, but I don't know. Eventually. Yeah. Anyways, okay. I'm conscious of time. I'm going to rotate here. I'm going to toss it to Steve. We'll keep it with you for a sec. Uh, what's on your mind, man? What's what's uh, making you bullish or, or contrary to? Uh, I guess I was trying to think something. Um, I... I well, I at the, I would say like uh, I was talking to someone about this at the Miami conference. Like, uh, I guess I'm bullish on uh, I'm bullish on seeing uh, lots of Bitcoin babies, people having mm. babies in Bitcoin. I think that's good because uh, uh, we're the only hope for humanity, uh, us Bitcoiners. Um, we need to keep creating or building up our networks. So it's good to see. Bitcoiners, you know, people generally don't have babies if you're if you don't have hope for the future, right? Like you, if you're a pessimist, if you're fearful, or you know, things are uncertain, people hold off having kids. If you're having kids, that you know, outside of like pure accidents and stuff, but if you're if you're having kids, uh, it generally indicates you're bullish on the future, mm -hmm. um, that you're content, that <clears throat> you enjoy living, and breathing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and stuff like that. So it's good to see. Uh, I met a lot of friends and met some, a bunch of new people. And I actually, it, it seemed, it seemed like an, almost like statistically, you know, an outlier or whatever you'd say, like the amount of people that were having kids or just had kids recently. So I don't know. I thought that was really cool. Uh, that makes me bullish. Um, you know, Dude. earlier when you're, talking about like you know uh, argentina countries and, and stuff and like adoption of bitcoin I, I still don't really believe any state at any level is going to really get heavy into it because i think it just puts a target on them uh so i feel like it's going to cost for a long time yet it's just going to be organic people adopting it probably keeping it reasonably private to stay out of the you know the, the crosshairs and the more uh the more babies born to uh you know, uh, people like us, the better. <laughs> so that and the other thing, uh, I haven't heard Ethereum mentioned in a long time. Uh, that makes me really, that makes me super bullish. Uh, I haven't seen, I honestly haven't seen it in any of my feeds in so long. Uh, no one's talking about it. I love it. Yeah, that's true. I literally, I literally didn't see it mentioned and I didn't even realize that I hadn't seen it mentioned until I saw you mention it. Yeah, and I was like, well, <laughs> damn <fuck>. it, Steve. <laughs> uh, the kids thing, I I'd agree on. There's a lot of uh, new Bitcoiners being uh, being minted lately, and uh, and actually, I was talking to one of the organizers of Miami, and they were like, "So we've come to the conclusion we were going to do it this year because there were so many requests for it, but for sure, 
next year, they're like, we need a kid zone. We actually need like an area dedicated to children so that, you know, we can have like a bunch of the Bitcoin moms there and like helping out. You can have like actual, you know, if you want to see a talk, you might be able to like actually have childcare for a little bit. And then also like fun and fun and games have like the Shamari people there. And like, I mean, if, if that doesn't speak to the fact that Bitcoiners are optimistic to be pumping out that many kids uh, in contrast to the prevailing sentiment of our generation, which is uh, why would I bring a child into this horrible world <laughs> instead of the future is bright and, 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 you know, let's, let's create a wonderful family. Um, then I, I don't know what it, what it indicates, but to me, it, it seems uh, that uh, we'll be having a lot less fiat babies and a lot more, Bitcoiner babies uh, in the coming decades. Yeah, I don't know if I would bring my my son to Bitcoin Miami. There's too many Ethereum people there. <laughs> shady, a shady bunch. <laughs> well, I mean, their 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 king has got like some openly positive child porn comments out there that make me rather uncomfortable with the whole idea. And I, I don't I don't know if I want my children around his cult. <laughs> That's true. I mean, as as soon as the uh, the 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 onstage dance what was the oh god the, the badger dance that they did all together that's that's indoctrination right there my friend <laughs> I, I think you guys have some catching up to do though because like what adam o'brien he's had four before turning 30 like oh, that that's being bullish on bitcoin <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, have you have you met kids though like <laughs> It'd be really bad to have four of them. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of work. You gotta I'm, have you gotta have a power wife. That's the thing, you know. Yeah. Like once you start getting past two, it's like if you maybe live in Mexico, you can get like the the stay at home like maid or whatever. That's kind of like the surrogate mother. But in North America, for the most part, like once you get past like two or three, you pretty much like have to have a dedicated parent twenty four seven. Yeah. 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 And I, again, this is in, in the vein of what we're talking about. This is likely why Bitcoiners are, are so positive on, on kids because right now in fiat land, having a single breadwinner is, is just almost like an impossibility. Like we went from, uh, a, you know, a family of four or more, uh, being comfortable on a single wage earners, uh, you know, salary, to oh that person has to work a bit more maybe get a second job to all of a sudden you know you know women starting to work more which again who gives a shit but then it became a necessity and now in most instances it's like if you don't have two people working full time in the home it's you, you can barely make ends meet let alone um, having lots of kids and most people now in relationships that are younger are thinking wow, we both work full time and we still wouldn't dare have children because we can barely make ends meet as is. Um, so I, I think Bitcoiners are getting on the different wavelength where it's like, oh, wow, I can I can save a bit, you know, spend less than I earn. And and somehow my savings are not being I don't have to become a professional investor to like figure my shit out and save for the future. Um, it definitely changes your perspective a little bit in that realm. You know, I like I someone gave me this idea the other day and it was like, if you want a good hedge for Bitcoin, 
you could invest in the companies that freeze eggs because either Bitcoin's going to usher in like a wave of people and we're going to start having kids younger again and more of them or the fiat, you know, collapse just keeps spiraling. All the women are going to have to start freezing their eggs because the uh, age of motherhood just keeps getting pushed down and down and down the line. So yeah. there's your hedge if Bitcoin doesn't go to a million in the next like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yellow's upset about the poop talk. <laughs> It's a trigger. Oh, he wants to go back to poop talk. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, kids yeah, I, and I, kids and poop. That's they have a lot in common. So yeah. Oh yeah. Like they, they love. I I'm reading through a dinosaur book with my son, and there's one page with one image of dinosaur poop, and he just flips through and and goes to the poop, and he goes <laughs> poop, and he points at the poop over and over again. So he's found a kindred spirit in yellow. Um, <laughs> wait, wait till I show him the tweet that Peter put out. So I'm sure he'll love that. Daddy, pull up the poop tweet, please. Uh, anyways, we're going to do one more rotation. Uh, we'll take it from here and, uh, I'm going to toss it to Dave. Dave, why are you bullish or historically otherwise at the moment? Well, I am, uh, I'm long-term bullish, obviously, but, uh, I think the last, like maybe three times I've been on here, I've been talking about why I'm bearish. And it's mostly been the same thing. I think we're getting closer to a point where I can call myself bullish. I think what I said last time was that we need a lot more pain. We, we, you know, things like the FTX collapse and, you know, the cascading series of lending collapses, Celsius and all this stuff. Like um, the people who were making the dumbest decisions got a lot of pain and really the, core Bitcoin holders were the ones that were like a little bit isolated from that pain. We all like the price of Bitcoin dropped. And if that matters to you in the short term, then that, uh, that can be some pain. But I, I think we haven't really gotten to the point where the pain is reaching the Bitcoiners until they got this whole ordinals thing going. <laughs> and it, it did a few things. It like, it, it very effectively sidled up to Bitcoin and used Bitcoin as an affinity scam as a way to say, Hey, this is not a scam now because it's tracked on Bitcoin. You know, it doesn't doesn't actually change the fact that the thing that you're selling is a scam in and of itself. But the uh, the fact that it's on Bitcoin is now a layer of sort of like social armor. And so, obviously, there's been some a little bit of argument over the last few weeks about whether that's a scam, whether it's just like you know the 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 Ethereum kids that have transitioned and the, those. Bitcoiners that they've fooled um, are kind of saying stuff like, you know what, it's just the free market, like stop whining, just, just let it be like, who are you to say what's, what's right and what's not on Bitcoin. Um, and I think that that level of pain is part of what we need in the Bitcoin community. We need, we need a few more like really catastrophic rage quits. We need somebody to be sacrificed for the uh, the next bull run, yeah, we we need somebody to melt down and very angrily leave. And I think Nick, I think Nick the Carter wasn't enough for you, Dave. No, Nick Carter was not enough, and Nick Carter not, also not didn't to satisfy. Yeah, beast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like you got to think of it as like if we were like a Polynesian tribe making sacrifices to the volcano, right? Like. <laughs> You know, you throw some people in there, it keeps grumbling. You got to throw some more people in there. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to throw a, more, a few more people into the, the volcano of Bitcoin. 
And I think uh, anyone you know, in mind. I mean, <laughs> it, it's probably going to be somebody who has like a catastrophic meltdown at some point. Um, my 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 best guess would be somebody from Bitcoin Magazine. At this point, um, it seems like the conference went pretty well in spite of the fact that they, I think, crossed the line somewhere. <laughs> Dave sounds hungry. Dave sounds hungry. Just, I mean, I'm probably for blood. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to go they get, a, get the a, line? What do you mean? I'm going to get a steak right after this. So um, where I would say that Bitcoin Magazine crossed the line, it's very hard to put on a conference. Um, it's very hard to put on a conference without taking a bunch of money from shitcoin companies. And in the past, they've done a really good job of sort of walking that line where, like, you go to the conference. And even though the actual, like, floor um, of the, the trade show was, like, way more shitcoin companies than Bitcoin companies and some pretty bad stuff in there. Um, a lot of the sponsors, you know, there was there was an FTX VIP lounge, um, <laughs> th th things like that. So the sponsors are not all what what we in that are, are very into the space and who call ourselves maximalists. Oh, you have the FTX sunglasses. That's yeah. Bitcoin 2022. Like, uh, nice. It's wearing so out yeah, though. Yeah. So like we, we wouldn't have, we, we would have known that FTX was a scam back then. It, it's not, it wasn't a, we didn't know necessarily how big of a scam, but we knew it was a bunch of different kinds of a scam. And we could say the same things about Binance or KuCoin or any of these other big shitcoin casinos at this point. And while they took the sponsorship money from those companies, they it still felt like the focus of the whole show was Bitcoin. And so, like all the content was Bitcoin content. Um, you know, it was it was it, it felt like a Bitcoin conference. Mm -hmm. And when they made that move of going across the, the line that I would say they crossed is when they actively scammed their own customers, their own attendees. And that was when they sold them. They, they did like those NFTs of the, the covers or whatnot. And so I, I, I think like ordinals and inscriptions and all that, I, I think they're very dumb. But I think anybody should be able to use the block space that they pay for however they want. Hmm. But if you then use whatever you put on that block space to pretend that you've created digital scarcity when you haven't, hmm. and then sell that to someone on a false premise, that's a scam. That's not like... What if you that's sell not great. it to them uh, without just telling them it's a scam like when i sell my greta for like tens of bitcoin yeah i mean and i'm i mean I, blatantly scamming you like people don't care yeah, yeah i think i think that if if you if you make something and you sell it and you sell it on a premise that is accurate even if it has no value if you've if you've accurately communicated the reasons why it has no value then like people can find their own value in it or not it's when you create a narrative about having value when in fact there is no value. They're pretending that these NFTs that they've put on Bitcoin somehow separate the intangible value of the art from the art itself. And that's just not the case, right? Like the, the, the art itself is the only value when it comes to digital art. And because it's digital, we can make perfect copies of it. So they're, they're pretending there's this extra layer of value on top of these things that is, is kind of like, you know, you, you've got hockey cards or you've got Pokemon cards or whatever your other collectibles are. There's a, a level of value that gets associated to those things as a collectible and sort of as an intangible and all these different, different ways to look at it. But those, 
those intangible values are still tied to the physical piece of merchandise. And the NFT is essentially the attempt to separate that intangible value and make it its own marketable product. And that's just completely nonsense. Like it, it, it can't have intangible value without whatever makes it cool. And whatever makes it cool is not digital and it does not transfer over the internet. So I see in the chat, there's something that I was unaware of uh, as of yesterday. Uh, Bitcoin Magazine Ventures launches Bitcoin Ecosystem Fund with Sora Ventures support. Um, the new fund, so basically the Venture Capital Fund dedicated exclusively to investing in the Bitcoin ecosystem is raising $30 million and is already oversubscribed by $90 million, according to internal sources. The new fund emphasizes the growth of the Bitcoin ecosystem, primarily investing in new application tools like and infrastructure like Ordinals, uh, Lightning, BRC20, DLC, and UTXO-related elements. These innovations allow Bitcoin to adopt more flexible, flexible functionality akin to Ethereum. So my question is, do you think... So like when I, when I look at things like BRC20 and ordinals and all that, I just think it's like, I, I think it's dumb, right? Like I don't see value there. I think long-term those things won't likely won't have value. You know, if you go out 20 years or something, or, or at the very least, if somebody's willing to pay more than the number of sats you're getting for the ordinal that is apparently attached to them, um, it will be vastly depreciated from what they originally sold for or whatever that like peak looks like. I think it's going to look like most shit coins where it's like, oh, I, you know, I had, you know, the coin in it and, and yeah, it went up for a little bit and then it just like never recovered versus Bitcoin. Um, I, I get the feeling that that's kind of where this stuff is heading. What I'm wondering is, do you think that there's a, a swath of individuals that are, you know, putting together this fund that truly believe like, okay, so here's the quote. We believe that the, that, that Bitcoin will become an important platform for future assets migrating into web three. There are a lot of upsides for using Bitcoin uh, uh, over other platforms. And as developers build and improve the cost and efficiency of the network, we will see more use cases migrate to Bitcoin's ecosystem. Do you think that that's like, a legitimate like have have they what i'm getting at is have the people putting this fund together thought through this and come to the conclusion that they think this is legit or not put time into thinking through it enough to the point where they would come to the conclusion where maybe this doesn't make sense or are you saying you think that this is just like outright no this is just a way to get additional money so we can have more bitcoin yeah i uh I almost fell asleep while you were reading that description. But, <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I, I think they know they, they, they for sure should know better. And when you, like, I was kind of shocked when it was like, they, they sold these NFTs, they got like 2.5 Bitcoin. And I was like, Holy shit, that's pretty low for like an institution like Bitcoin magazine to sell out their reputation for 2.5 Bitcoin. And then when you see this news now with the fund, it makes perfect sense. It was just like, yeah, they wanted to drum up business. They wanted to they wanted to get people excited about Web3 and NFTs, and they wanted to position it as though it was the next big uh, 
bubble, the next big thing that was going to run like crazy. And, you know, they've obviously, they, they put enough work into their conference to make it seem like it's a real thing. They probably had like every living NFT collector in the world at that conference. And, and in that, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's not, I, I it, thought it, their, I thought their auction was a bad move. Like it, it I, I mean, I, I, I find, uh, I actually I have no issue with uh, the NFT thing as long as it's not being misrepresented. I mean, people like to collect dumbass shit. Um, if you're not misrepresenting what it is you're collecting, uh, you know, like lying about it, um, then so be it. Let people speculate. And I know from my buddies, like the, uh, the guys I grew up with, all they want to do is gamble, like uh, sports. And, and look how big sports gambling is. I mean, there's clearly an immense demand for people to speculate on the stupidest shit ever. Um, obviously, the other reason I don't mind the NFT thing, especially when it first came out, I was like, hell yeah, pump the fees. I like, <laughs> you know, that's the minor in me, right? Yeah. And uh, does Bitcoin Magazine think it's like the future and all this shit? Like, you know, some of those guys were there pretty smart. I don't think they do. But I mean, they're also a business. And uh as long as they walk the line appropriately and don't misrepresent, uh, I like let them do what they think they need to do to profit. I mean, people are going to hate, you know, that stance. There's a lot of people just always like hardcore, you know, don't shill this nonsense. And, you know, there's, there's a merit and, you know, that stance, but, um, if people want to, I think there's this, you're not going to stop people from speculating on garbage, Mm-hmm. and uh let them let them do it uh like so i don't know it's an interesting topic uh, i i i put two inscriptions on so far and i put them at max resolution to bloat all your nodes because <laughs> my my philosophy too is like if because it is call it valid transaction data and the whole the whole thing is sort of a larp like it's like this is a method of identifying like this, this whole ordinal protocol, it's like this method of identifying, you know, the SAT sequencing and stuff. It's like this arbitrary reference thing. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, from the start when people were like uh, shitting all over the idea, I was like, well, guys, you're running the code and that allows you to, that your nodes getting bloated. Like you should be mad at Bitcoin devs and yourself for running the code. Right. Like yeah. it's sort of, there's like an irony in it, but it's yeah. a hell of a troll, though, just to blow people's nodes, which is why I like. <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. I I don't have a, I don't have an actual problem, like morally. I think it's very stupid to put arbitrary data onto the Bitcoin blockchain, but I don't have an, an I don't have a moral problem with with that, even though it's annoying. Um, I have a moral problem when people create a product that is not scarce, that has actually no value. And then they try to pretend that there's a way to make this scarce in order to pretend that there's value. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the scam line that they crossed where they're just like, yeah, the, we, we promise this will be valuable someday. And it, it's just one other kind of gambling, you know, it's like you could gamble on anything, but there's a lie in the middle there. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, what people are gambling on is the quality of that lie and how many other people will fall for that lie. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things that goes overlooked about Bitcoin Magazine's involvement in this, and I, I don't want to like, you know, try and try and like give them all this empathy, but 
media companies are not profitable. Almost all of them fail because the cost to produce <laughs> and the, the, the cost that people want to pay just trends to zero. Mm -hmm. And so like the only reason that Bitcoin Magazine is still around is because of those conferences. And so inevitably, they're going to find whatever they can. And they did the calculation, obviously, internally that, oh, well, we'll participate in the ordinals thing. And we don't think it'll have that big of a, um, you know, a, a drain on our, our audience that will pursue it. And I think, honestly, like you say, they sold out for 2.5 Bitcoin. Um, I disagree. I think that they're going to, I think their involvement in the ordinals thing, whether we like it or not, is actually going to be what keeps Bitcoin magazine afloat for however long this, this, you know, this thing goes on for, and it could go on a lot longer than we think, but you know, it, it's something to think about that. Like, I think we, as Bitcoiners, we want to see more Bitcoin media made, but many of us, just like all media consumers don't want to put our money on the line for it. And so what happens is inevitably these companies just go into survival mode and they have to, you know, they get with the affinity scams and they try their best to hold their integrity together. But if we look at the two biggest giants who are producing the best content, who get the best writers, the interviews, all this stuff, it's Swan and it's Bitcoin magazine. And Swan is only doing it because they have a ton of VC funding. They don't have any return on value. Uh, that's why they launched their conference as well, because they're trying to have some ROI on some of their production stuff. And Bitcoin Magazine's in the same boat. And so inevitably, Bitcoin Magazine goes out and they raise a VC fund to do the ordinal stuff. Where does that money eventually funnel into it? It funnels into the, uh, the, the pockets of the writers just to keep that whole thing afloat. So... I don't know. It's like if we don't want to see this stuff happening, that's fine. But like if we think that Bitcoin media producing companies can just like sustain off of just absolutely no compromising their integrity and, and just making Bitcoin only stuff and maxi stuff, that that's going to be a sustainable business model forever for them. It's not. And, uh, you know, this happens and it's shitty and some people, you know, stop watching it. But it is what it is. Try running a media company. It's not it's not fucking easy. And, I, I um, sympathize but, with yeah. them deciding to do that kind of thing. Uh, and you see a lot of other companies in the Bitcoin space say pivot or implement things that they get a lot of flack for. Like one great example um, might trigger some people in the crowd, but like Casa, you know, yeah. pivoting to including Ethereum. And I mean, it's like if I was the owner of Casa and I'm looking at my business and it was, it was like a decision between stay like Bitcoin only and like keep that, that, um, thing going or allow shit coiners to use my service to survive. Like if it's a, if it's a matter of my business surviving, my shareholders surviving, like my employees, like I would, I would very seriously do that. Mm -hmm. And I, cause I, we, even my company, we have to make decisions that, uh, you know, might be a little fiat, uh, because sometimes, uh, you really don't have a choice. So, so I symp I'm sympathetic towards all that. And, and while uh, you were chatting, I was reading the comments. Uh, thank you, Narwhal, Narwhal Tacos. Uh, yes, I will be putting my mustache on the blockchain. Uh, <laughs> I've been wondering what my next or uh, ordinal will be, and it will certainly be that. So thank you. That was a great idea. <laughs> That's great. There we go. Yeah. Into all of your nodes. Yeah, <laughs> high resolution, yeah. a full block. I mean, I take I take the mustache over the Udi uh, any day. To be honest, you know, I'd, I'd gladly host yeah. this data. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I I, I I think I don't think they should have gave those those clowns like such a uh, great position in there. Like, if, sure, if you want to come on and do a panel, but like, didn't they go on the main stage and shit? Like, uh, that was pretty lame. 
uh, yeah. given given that they've been almost anti-Bitcoin in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like and yeah. just divisive, just super divisive. Uh, well, in the that, whole that was bullshit. But uh, I think like okay, support ordinals, whatever. Um, Yeah, I I didn't really give too much of a shit about the ordinals thing. I mean, especially like in the context of being at the event last year, there was way more shit coinery than this year, to be honest. Like walking around this year, I was like, oh, like most of this is like I remember seeing a whole bunch of booths being like, what the fuck is this doing here the year before? And this year. I mean, maybe it's just I'm I'm more focused on getting to the things I actually want to see and I'm and I'm blocking out some of it or or just like going past it. But I found a lot more stuff that was like Bitcoin related that I was interested in this year than last. It, it seemed to be drowned out a lot less this year. Um, even like like, OK, let's let's go down that ordinals route last year. It was literally like Ethereum NFTs sitting on like on screens. This year, it was Bitcoin NFTs sitting on screens. So I mean, I guess it's a step in the right direction. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, there was there was less shitcoinery. The uh, again, I'm so I was sitting on the news desk commentating on the Ordinals chat. So I got I basically it was one of the chats that I I had to listen to. And I just found like the entire discussion on the on the stage was completely non-productive as well. Like it was just like bickering back and forth. It it made everybody look like an idiot on stage, to be honest. Um, and uh, I think ha- if they felt that that conversation needed to be had, it needed to be like ultra structured and follow like they, a- they totally fail by not getting Francis on stage with them yeah like, well, yeah, that was like the when idea. they announced that i was like okay you got uh shinobi i don't know did he show up i, I didn't watch the yeah thing. he did yeah he did yeah uh good guy and all that it probably hopefully made a good made some good arguments but like if you're gonna put these extreme like uh trolls on there get someone like francis to be up there who would be uh on i don't know i i feel like shinobi might have been nicer than Francis would have been. <laughs> Although I didn't hear Shinobi, but Francis yeah. would have just been absolutely, you know, uh, yeah, I think him. I think everybody would have been nicer than Francis, probably. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I, um, first of all, I have a, I'm already storing a copy of Steve's mustache. <laughs> it's just I, it it's like, well, it's, it's not scarce. I have one on my phone. I have one on my laptop. So, and then, and then, you know what I did? I, I made a copy and I sent it to Steve right before this, this, this show so that he could put it up there. So that's like um, 50% inflation, man. Yeah, I know they're, they're, they're not scarce at all. They're just a digital image like everything else. Um, I think I, I see where that, like that comes from where like, you know, they've got to make choices for their business with Bitcoin magazine. And I think they were already way in that direction with the big shitcoin sponsors and stuff like that. And really, like, there was no way they could have put on the kind of spectacle that they put on over the last couple of years, if not for all the shitcoin money that was flowing in. And so I can appreciate that side of things. But I really felt like they did cross a line, at least in my my personal books, when they became the ones issuing and selling the scams. Hmm. That was the, the big thing that was a no for me. And, like, I hope that... Um, like it looks like they're really doubling down on this stuff and it in a lot of ways opens the door to, um, 
you know, something like Pacific Bitcoin or, or Bitblock Boom or something like that becoming the sort of like the premier North American Bitcoin conference. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I hope they I hope they pivot back in the other direction next year with Nashville because I, I had a lot of FOMO not being there, but like it did not feel good to me. So I didn't go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dave, you've got, you, you've got a license to print money because Robert here in the comments said, fuck you. I just FOMO'd all of my 401k into the stash NFT. So (laughs) there there you go. (laughs) This just in Dave now loves ordinals. (laughs) Um, One, one last thing on this. Uh, I'm very excited. So I'm going to be in Prague for, uh, for the BTC Prague conference and I get to, uh, I'm 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 gonna be MC for uh, one of the afternoons, yes. and uh, and I gotta show I gotta show one of one of the talks that I get to that I get to announce on on Saturday afternoon. I'm very excited about it. Uh, one sec, I'm just excited to be able to announce this. Uh, where when I get to say up next on stage we have uh, Giacomo Zucco and he's got a a talk. Entitled, Ordinals Are Retarded. <laughs> that one will be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to say that on stage. So that should be a good one. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, okay, so so how about we round to this topic by, by giving our vote for who goes into the volcano? Does that sound like a good way for the, the, the final sacrifice? Um, but it has to be... I mean, I feel like Udi has lost his shit. Like, if you see him, he's just like, he just can't stop. Like, I, I feel like uh, he I, he's doing laps in the volcano. Yeah. I, I know who who one person that, as much as I don't want to see it happen, but if it happened, it would absolutely, that would be it. The mm-hmm. gods would be appeased. And that would be for the Bitcoin price to go down and Sailor to get liquidated. <laughs> 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 I, hey, sorry, guys. But, like, if that happened... Uh, the bull run would officially be on, but well, look, Sailor is going to be selling in 2025. He's got to pay those bonds, right? There's no, there's no oh, business really? income. Oh yeah, he oh, has to fill something in there. Just hope the price is higher <laughs> for his sake. Yeah. What, what if that's what we get? We get bear market until he has to pay back those bonds, and then well, nobody we- realizes like it has to happen. Like one day <laughs> he's gonna, he's you're gonna see like Microtrategy sold like X amount of Bitcoin. Everyone's gonna lose their mind, and then he's gonna do a podcast tour saying like, I it's like that was part of the deal with the bonds. Yeah, but, yeah, ne- never selling. Yeah, unless he um, wants to borrow at like five percent again. Yeah. <sighs> Yes. I mean, sailor would be, I don't, I don't see him rage quitting. I, f- I feel like he's, and, and also his share prices have gone up so much because, because they won't launch uh, an ETF. He's become a de facto Bitcoin ETF. So like, you know, the, he, I, I doubt he would do that, but I don't know who I would. And it's not even like I would want to throw into the volcano, but like, who would be a a person into the volcano that would be a great enough sacrifice that we could, we could reverse? I don't know. It'd have to be like somebody that blocks. Yeah, I mean, Blockstream goes bankrupt. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're not going to. They're not going to clearly. But I think yeah. they just raise like hundred, like a dozens of many dozen million or something. They're good. Yeah. Or like yeah. a big pivot. Like, are we counting Bitmain. into the volcano? Oh yeah, Bitmain. Yeah, they could. 
Bitmain. Yeah. Bitmain would be a good one. Um, I feel like it'd be most effective if it's like a tier one Bitcoin influencer, like one of the very top people that you see on every podcast. Yeah. And that was like, that like was, BTC sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a BTC sessions or a Steve Barber. BCH like, session. Yeah, Let's start doing yeah. for my Ether wallet tutorial. <laughs> yeah. hey, I've got one of those from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, order, get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, again, to see it, I don't know, like a, a, a it w- I doubt it would happen, but like, um, Nayib Bukele. Because he's uh, the oh, can you imagine? Guy. Can you imagine yeah. him being like, "This isn't working out, guys." If like, you just started like... doing all these deals with the IMF and like, <laughs> like, sold all like we took, we took <laughs> the loan, but we couldn't say no. But then, like, he low key stacks a bunch of sats with the loan. <laughs> well, the the other thing that he could just do is just disappear with all the coins. Yes, yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be something. I mean, that'd be horrible, but at the same time, it would be like. You know, it would set the precedent for nation state adoption of like maybe we should get like a multi sig with like state heads of state from like di- opposing political parties to hold keys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because right now, what he's like, I mean, it's probably all custodial, it's probably sitting on like whatever exchange or like with prime trust or something. Like, I doubt, I doubt he's got like a multi sig with some cold cards or something going around he's just yeah i don't know man. yeah i i, I want to say it's with like coinbase or one of the big u.s custodians yeah but but i think like he could probably get it yeah he's probably got permission to withdraw <laughs> yeah god who knows can you imagine the nation nation state i mean we're gonna see a nation state rug pull at some point we because will, yeah. there's no precedent set for how to do this in in a way where there's no single point of failure and that that precedent needs to be set. Literally everybody had to learn as individuals. Everybody had to learn as, as like partaking in, in uh, you know, shady exchanges all the way up to seemingly legitimate exchanges, all the way up to institutions that are investing money. Like we had, we had um, uh, what was the, what the Canadian funds that like were sitting in, in like Celsius, there were like, uh, uh, what what were the funds that were there? It was, um, it was like the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. Yeah, like, like the pension the, plan was sitting in. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like all of those things, all of these institutions, all the way up are are having to learn through pain. It, we're gonna have to go through that with nation states. And God, can you imagine the news cycle then? <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Horrific, yeah. Narwhal says Bhutan. I mean, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I guess totally. we did. Bhutan, we did have Bhutan a nation state in Celsius. <laughs> Fuck, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah China already rug uh, pulled a, a rug pull uh, with Web three space with multi chain. I didn't know about that. Interesting. Yeah, we're gonna need to see a lot of the that in the coming years. All right. Well, I mean, we'll we'll get like. God, I, as much as I don't want it to happen, what if some, like there's a swan person that was like, ah, oh, fuck this. <laughs> this is stupid. I'm out. That'd Corey. be. Uh, didn't Corey used to do ICOs before swan? Corey goes <laughs> back to ICOs. Yeah. Ooh, that would hurt. That would Imagine hurt. Imagine if ICOs made a comeback. Oh, 
God. <laughs> like we're all speculating on the most horrible shit that could happen in order to reverse course. AI crypto ICOs. Swan launch is a yield product. Uh, yeah. That's, that's really a Ponzi. That could happen. That would yeah. be, run that by would, AI. It's gotta have the word AI in it or else it's not gonna fly. Yeah. Yeah. D D Fi, but it's spelled D E F A I. Someone someone all Novak NBK already bought the domain for that. He's yeah. Just, <laughs> just, it's gone. The domain's gone. D Fi. Yeah. Oh God. Uh yeah. Anyways, okay. Well, let's I let's round this one out. Let's uh, just do a round of uh, any final thoughts and uh, recommendations. I'll, we'll say uh, so. Anything that you think people should check out, something that you've checked out the last little bit that you think is worth somebody's time. Um, I don't know. Final thoughts today is I'm at this weird spot where I don't know if we have more pain in the form of like something catastrophic to make us dump before we kind of go back to where we are, or if it's just going to be more pain in the realm of like sideways crab for way longer than we expect. Um, I don't know what form it comes in. I guess it doesn't really matter. Stay humble, stack sats. I don't know. You know, don't <laughs> go out, create some value and spend less than you earn and it won't matter. Uh, recommendation. I don't know. Read this book. It was really good. Hidden repression by Alex Gladstein. Uh, it was a quick read. I got through it in like a day. Well, a couple days and, uh, uh, it will make you mad at the IMF and world bank, which you should be. So yeah, go read it. Uh, Julian, what about you? Any final thoughts, recommendations that you may have? Uh, final thoughts, stay, stay bullish, stay on the cutting edge. Um, I think including myself, even though I'm not that big, we can all do like a much bigger and better job of showcasing some of like the smaller, I guess, creators or change makers in this space. Uh, shout out to Island Osorio. I think she was on your show yes. once. She does this awesome blog. She's going to be at the Oslo Freedom Forum, I think, mm -hmm. interviewing um, you know people from all walks of life and integrating Bitcoin into it in subtle ways. So more of that stuff. Please push out mm -hmm. the people who don't have huge followings. Fast Bitcoins as well. They do great stuff. Like yeah. 200 followers on YouTube, but amazing stuff. So um, yeah, push the small creators. Um, okay, recommendations. Uh, I don't know about Bitcoin stuff. I don't know if anyone else can relate to this. If I'm like the only fiat fucking person who still plays video games. But holy shit, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is unbelievable. I've spent now like 60 hours. I'm never going to get back. But it's got to be like just, just appreciated on a technical level, the physics that they pulled off in that game and how massive it is. It's awesome. So uh, if you have a Switch, go get that. <laughs> that's I all just, i got i love it i'm actually playing that game too it's I, uh, awesome man I'm, I'm have you gotten to the underground game. part oh yeah oh yeah i've been deep in, deep in the depths so is this what i'm gonna be doing with my time now i'm gonna have to go by you're never <laughs> gonna be productive again dude dude i just <laughs> i just spent i just wasted hours and hours of my life on on, on the hogwarts legacy <laughs> oh I got, yeah I got I got all the this the screechers that were were mad because J.K. Rowling and I was like 
but the game looks fun so i got it and i wasted way too many <laughs> way too many hours on that so i don't know if i'm ready to video games just keep getting better like i don't know what people think but you know everyone says like oh it was better back then it's like no video games just only get better i don't know <laughs> <laughs> awesome the, awesome the, the thing is so i i uh haven't played much video games in a while but i have some really good memories from the old zeldas and i think what was a big difference now till then is that like they used to get better really quickly. Like the difference between like a nin Nintendo and Super Nintendo was like absolutely massive. Yeah. Compared to like how much they change these days. But yeah, I mean, I I uh, have heard that so many places that I kind of want to go try mm -hmm. Zelda now. Yeah. Yeah. But Can it's... you play Zelda on on a, on a cold card? <laughs> 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 maybe i mean maybe that q1 can get it running we'll see somebody hack it <laughs> Do you I, remember I, I, I heard for the first time a criticism against a cold card versus a ledger for the first time okay. i was like yeah the ledger's better at that and that was to hide it up your anus <laughs> yes well uh, ledger you know, we're open ledger's now. much nicer to yeah. try to conceal yeah so i don't know you should probably tell nvk to redesign yeah. it yeah. Well, yeah. version one of the open dime had uh, square corners, mm. and then he thought of that and started making rounded corners. So <laughs> he, he did it. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not even joking. That's like that's a real thing. No and, way. And so yeah, check your open dimes. They'll have uh, they'll have rounded corners. That's so, not the reason he changed even, it, is it? it. It is. It yeah. probably yeah. is. Knowing yeah, him, it here. probably yeah. is. <laughs> 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 it, 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 it is for sure, and it's. Uh, it's smaller than a, a ledger, so yeah. Selling <laughs> point: ledger has nothing going for it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even butt friendly. <laughs> Anyways, uh, toss it to Steve, dude. Any final thoughts, <laughs> recommendations? Any any butt related uh, recommendations? Yeah, shout out to uh, well, Dave's organized helping organize the Bitcoin Rodeo in Calgary. Uh, what's the date, Dave? July fourth uh, and fifth. Yeah, so uh, Western Canada should be should be the, the mecca and powerhouse of Bitcoin mining. It isn't uh, due to some unfavorable politics, uh, which I will get into, and other things. I believe that's uh, that's throttled, you know, mining in this uh, part of the world. Um, but we don't. We also haven't had much for conferences. Uh, I don't know if we've had anything really outside of just small, real small things. So it'll be good. It'll be. I was at the first one in 2018. Is that the last time you guys did it, Dave? It is. Yeah, that's where you and I met. Yeah, that's. I met a lot of great people there. I met like Ben from Bitfarms. He was at a different company back then. Really great conference. And a lot of those people I met Safety back then, and I think a lot of those people that were there are just like still in the game still going hard like just pure pure bitcoiners so that's a shout out to that um and then i guess uh, i recommend uh roundabouts uh, anywhere they can be had they're the safest things uh in existence <laughs> and i want you guys just to think about it like when you're driving how safe it, they are how safe you feel and you should uh, I was talking about it again recently. You should, when you drive through them, take one lap before you exit uh, just to respect 
because a roundabout i'll let you guys if you haven't heard me talk about it before i'll let you just stew on it but a roundabout is one of the most bitcoin things in existence uh you can think about that uh you know uh you'll figure it out um but respect it uh, i respect them so come highly recommended for me but steve what about when you just want to keep going in a straight line as fast as possible well, that's then great, man. If you don't have to turn, low time yeah, <laughs> straight lines are straight lines are totally Bitcoin too, man. But <laughs> just just remember, a roundabout or a traffic light or stop sign. Which one is fiat? Which one is Bitcoin? Yeah. Open up your fucking minds. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty deep, Steve. Pretty deep. Yeah, there you go. And I mean, Steve has been over to my house. He knows there's a lot of roundabouts in my that's area. Why I, that's why I like your area. It's yeah. great. It is great. It is. <laughs> All right, Dave, what about you? Any any roundabout uh, <laughs> advice or do you have other things to bestow? Upon? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm torn on the roundabout. I get the point, but like there's just when you when you hit a green light, there's like a good feeling about it. And I don't <laughs> want to give up that good feeling of hitting greens. What about um, the reds, man? I know. I like what I mean, the-, the, the, the reds are more of like a suggestion, though, right? <laughs> so like you just and the traffic you got to make sure there's the no other cars coming well you don't hit the other cars like that's that's always key to driving that's one of my recommendations is don't hit other cars while driving <laughs> but uh, but yeah I, I i like uh i like i like both i i would probably agree that roundabouts are better overall but i uh i really do like going fast through green lights i've gotten a lot of green light traffic tickets so anyway um i recommend also the bitcoin rodeo among other things that is july 4th and 5th um all these guys will be there we're talking a lot more um just as we have a little bit on on this episode about um you know what bitcoin means to people more so than like the absolutely technical elements and economic elements that get a lot of discussion at a lot of different conferences. So we're going to be focusing on the sort of human impact a little bit more. So we've got some pretty cool uh, little features. There's two parts that I kind of wanted to highlight that uh, Ben and I will be putting on. There's a uh, bad Twitter takes awards. Which you can uh, submit for, by the way, tweet at me and tag me and uh, screenshots for the blocked. But if you have bad Twitter takes, like, you know, uh, I don't know, should we... uh, what, what should our time frame for the bad Twitter takes be? Should it just be like all time bad Twitter takes or like recent memory or? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like all time. Okay. You know, if we do, if we do this again, maybe we need a limit, but like at this point we've, we've never done it. There's an infinite amount of bad Twitter takes. So yeah, might as well let them, the worst of the worst be eligible. Let's do it. And we'll have like a full breakdown of why it's a bad take too. It'll be like, wow, that's a shit take on Bitcoin. But for those of you in the audience that may not understand, here's why it's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're, we're hoping to bring in a lot of new people. We've got like a free section right at the start of the conference uh, that Ben and Julian will be presenting that's kind of like, why Bitcoin, why is it important to you or your business or, or your country? And then like, how, like, how do you get started? How do you buy some, how do you set up a wallet? And we're like right downtown Calgary, which is like the heart of our Canadian oil and gas industry. So we're hoping to get a lot of people from the oil and gas industry in for those free sessions mm-hmm. and then really hit them with the like 
the core of why Bitcoin is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the other part that we're really excited about is this uh, Bitcoin elevator pitch competition. So um, a bunch of the speakers will be participating. Um, a bunch of randoms are participating and it's, you know, you got 45 seconds, you got to sell Bitcoin to a stranger. How's the best pitch? And then we'll have a, a panel of judges and uh, figure out what the best one is. And then we can all steal the best one basically. So um, we need more. Uh, we, we need more people to uh, very much refine their Bitcoin elevator pitches because Holy shit, there's a lot of bad ones out there. There really are. And mm-hmm. so hopefully this one comes out with everyone, everyone who delivers Bitcoin elevator pitches and sees this will hopefully be better equipped to do that. Um, we want people like if you're a pleb and you want to get into this, like send me or Ben a message and we'll get you into the Bitcoin elevator pitch competition. Yeah. yeah. We had, uh, we had, there's one guy actually who, so we've got another topic that is it, pretty cool. It's just like why Bitcoin or how Bitcoin changed my life. And we got a variety of people on there, but one of the guys that's on there, um, I put out a call for speakers and I got a lot of really bad shit. Like I got a lot of like web three people and like <laughs> a bunch, like lots of really bad ones. And so I, I, I started like asking these questions to try to weed them out. And this one guy sends me one and I had kind of like already written off all the bad ones that I got. And he's like, I'm like, Hey, can you send me, um, like, have you done any speaking? Can you send me a video of yourself chopping wood? <laughs> and then like, Literally, like, two days later, he sends me a video of himself chopping wood and, like, <laughs> talking about Bitcoin while he's chopping wood. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty awesome. We got to we gotta give this guy a speaking spot. So, <laughs> I love that so, that was the requirement. Yeah. Chop me some wood. And then he does it. Like, oh, holy yeah. shit, he did it. All right, you're in. Yeah, because the funny thing is all the Web3 people, when I asked them to chop wood, they just – they were kind of, like – pissy about that they're like oh, this is not real like so yeah we should uh we, we'll get that released here uh that video and we can we can share that with everyone and you can see why we liked it so awesome I'm, I'm, I'm and then and then yeah the last recommendation last time i was on uh one of these shows i had a madex behind me and it sold certainly thereafter so I recommend somebody buys this before it's gone. Nice. If you can't afford it, uh, make more money. <laughs> sell your coins. I like. That. No, don't 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 sell your coins. Sell like your kidneys or your chairs, but like, or or make more money somehow. Like, you got an ink. If 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 you can't afford a Madex, you got an income problem. Yeah, I I. It was really funny when when he was doing all the the bull Bitcoin merch and he had this the the t-shirts shop up, and uh, somebody commented on Twitter and they were like, "These shirts are way too expensive." And he just replied, "That sounds like a you problem." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was that was solid. Dude, we uh, gotta get back to the barter system. I got I got one for free because I'm making yeah. him a video. <laughs> there you go there you go value for value right yeah. yeah awesome i love it um awesome all right gentlemen uh thank you for coming on i'm very excited to share a stage in, sh- in some way shape or form with all of you in calgary in uh, just over a month a month and a couple days here and uh yeah man uh anybody that's that's uh in the calgary area that obviously then you should for sure come uh, but bitcoinrodeo.com 
but uh, if you're in and around the area or want to make a, a trip out, there's also the Calgary Stampede starting that subsequent weekend, which is like massive. So if you've never been to that, then stick around for it. Also, we're like an hour, hour and a half from the mountains. So if you want to go hike the Rocky Mountains and see Lake Louise and Banff and all that good stuff, that's like right nearby too. So make a trip out of it. Uh, have a little road trip. Come hang out. Let me know if you're in town. And uh, I imagine we'll be doing some stuff uh, in the evenings and maybe that weekend too for those people that hang around. So let also, us know. Also, like, like shout out to people because this is just like a revelation I had this year. If you live in Vancouver or, you know, even Toronto, it, it costs like $80 round trip to go to Calgary. It's so yeah. cheap now to fly um, domestically in Canada. And I had no idea until this year. I always thought it was like, oh, you know, five $600 to fly across the country. No, it's like... 40 bucks uh round trip to calgary i got once so you wow. have no excuse if you're in vancouver <laughs> yeah vancouver it's like an hour like by the time you hit cruising altitude you're already descending again right yeah yeah so and calgary is super cheap so yeah so awesome well gentlemen thank you again for being here and uh i'll see you guys in uh just just over a month thank you yeah. have a great weekend all right see you later cheers guys peace See ya. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. Uh, again, BitcoinRodeo.com. If you're going to be in Calgary, I'm excited to have this event back in my hometown. Uh, the 2018 one, by the way, fun fact, it was Safedine's first ever speaking gig after writing the Bitcoin standard. Uh, so after it was after it was uh, written and, and published, uh, that was his first time being able to come to an event and have his books with him and everything. I got my signed copy uh up on my shelf uh so yeah fun fact his first speaking gig after it, it started a revolution um but anyways uh, i look forward to seeing all of you and uh, i see uh uh funk in the in the comments i will be seeing you uh funk by the way from CoinKite. she'll be she'll be in town too so uh very excited to see everybody here in my hometown um what else other orders of business before we finish up here uh another thing i'm gonna be at is while we're talking about canadian conferences as well uh i'm gonna be out in uh out in toronto as well for the canadian bitcoin conference too um you can actually get bundled tickets for both conferences so if you're looking at doing toronto then why not look at calgary as well or vice versa you can you can get both both tickets so if you want to uh do a cross-country tour then go ahead and do it but uh, lots of great people are going to be out in toronto as well so you can head over to canadian bitcoin conf c-o-n-f.com and check out all the speakers and stuff there it should be a good time um anyways guys thank you so much like subscribe share all those things help a ton you can hit up the previously mentioned sponsors those were hodl hodl coin kite nunchuck and start nine uh, you can also head over to my website, btcsessions.ca. has a ton of free information, links to all the tutorials and all that stuff. But if the online tutorials aren't enough and you need some extra handholding, you can book me there for one-on-one -on -one sessions over on the right-hand side. Or you can take a peek if, you got a, up, if I've got upcoming workshops. I think the next time will probably be... Uh, I'll be down in L.A., so we'll be seeing about that. Uh, and then finally, if you really liked what you saw on my website, you can scroll down a little bit. There's a lightning QR code. You can uh, zap some sats over to me that way or click on it and it'll take you right to my geyser page. Uh, anyways, with that, I'm out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening, wherever you may be. I'll see you guys next time for your daily session.
Bitcoin.